Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson and this is episode number 81. It is going to be a real life stories edition with a good friend of mine, Mike Esch. Mike Esch, welcome to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you, Pastor. I think you are like one of our original listeners. I mean, right? You listen to every episode, right? Not everyone, but a lot of them. What? Oh my goodness! Come on, Mike. We we need you. <laughs> I don't have a lot of data, so when I'm around oh, okay. an area where I have a lot of data, it's <laughs> it's the best thing going. Anyway, um, we, we know that you love the Grace Point Daily podcast, and uh, you have shared it with other people. And we want you, if you like it, come on, share it with someone. Send out the link. Subscribe. Be a part of the Grace Point Daily podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And so, on this episode, a real life stories edition, we love just. The one thing I know that you love hearing, I love hearing, are the powerful and amazing stories of how God just uses people, touches people, and uh, that's 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 the awesome part of being a follower of Jesus is that He takes us broken people, He turns our lives around, and then He uses us for His name and His for His glory. And Mike has kind of a story like that. So, Mike, I know your initial bio here is you right now are a maps worker, right, and you're traveling across the country and doing. That's correct. God has called me into that. What is MAPS? I know that. I mean, I'm familiar with it because I'm in the Sims of God, but for people that might be listening, what is MAPS? MAPS is the, I would say, it's the privilege of being able to work part-time or full-time with multiple people, some skilled, some unskilled. Throughout the United States, we work on any uh, Summers of God project, church camps, teen uh, challenge churches, rebuilds, remodels, uh, disaster relief, um, orphanages. Yeah, doing all kinds of work uh, yes. for the Lord, and, and obviously places that really need the help, that don't have the ability or maybe the finances or the resources to do these projects. MAPS workers come in and help them where they cannot, in a sense, help themselves. Right, and actually MAPS is an acronym for Missions, America Placement Services yeah. under the umbrella of the U.S. Actually, of the Assemblies of God in, in a ministry because we have people that are do uh, foreign MAPS projects just like we have people doing U.S. MAPS projects. Okay, and you primarily do the domestic or local MAPS primarily? My heart is for the United States. Amen. That's awesome. And we need it. Sure. We don't, we need it, Mike in America. We need a move of God more than ever before. Yes, we do. Praise God. Well, obviously you didn't just get to become a maps worker. There is a story to this whole thing. There's a journey that Jesus has brought you on. So let's start with chapter one of Mike Ash. Okay. I was brought up in the summers of God and I always thought I needed to have a testimony. And I thought I was let, let, thought that to be that testimony, I needed to go out and get crazy and, <laughs> and waste a part of my life. Well, I did that, but there's consequences, regrets, and bad road that you got to cover to get to where you need to be. But anyways, uh, Eddie Stevens one year asked me if I would go with him to Roaring Springs, Texas, to a church te- to a church camp. And I went there, and when I went there, I was it was the most fun I've ever had. And I've gone to most every theme park in the United States, and <laughs> a lot of 
a lot of state parks, done a lot of camping. I've done a lot, a lot of things, but that was the most fun I ever had. And so every year he would ask me to go. Well, I went to, we ended up going to Trinity because of Bob Le, or Dave, Ron Blavel, because he was at one time on the board of directors there. And when I got there, I ran into a man that goes to our church in, in Michigan that had prayed for me when I got saved on, a, on Mother's Day weekend in about 74. And he said, why don't you join MAPS? I said, I have got too much debris and brokenness in my life. They would never want somebody like that because uh, all of my life, military, working for the state of Michigan as a prison guard, they've always specified you need to be an ambassador for whatever you're doing mm-hmm. to be a great example. And so anyways, I didn't want people to think that that, that bad road was any type of a, a badge of glory because it's a badge of shame. It's a badge of shame. <laughs> so anyway, when he said I could do it, we talked for a week quite often. He kept saying, go to Conlinville and join MAPS. And I said, they don't want me. They don't want me. <laughs> so anyways, he finally talked me into going there. And Jerry Bell was the director at that time. And he said that the United States is the second largest unevangelized church, or excuse me, un- unevangelized country in the world. In the world. Wow. And, you know... uh, that just gripped my heart. Why would I go to all these countries where they're not the largest? They're not the mm-hmm. most unevangelized. So that's that's kind of what I did. So I I signed up and I waited. I'd go to the mailbox every day waiting, hoping, praying. <laughs> and finally, at right around Christmas time, I got my paperwork that I was done that I was accepted. So I was driving a school bus, and I thought that was my ministry. I worked here at Grace Point in many different um, positions. I've always believed that when a pastor asks you to do something, he has the confidence that you can do it. So it's not about me saying no. It's I'm, it's my job as a servant to obey. Amen. And so consequently— Go ahead and say that again. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, with that being said, uh, I told the bus, direct, bus director, I said, you know, at the end of this bus— uh, year, I will not be a, a driver anymore. She said, "Well, you only got a few more years retirement. You got to do summer camp or summer school because it's more money." <laughs> I said, "It's not about the money." I said, "I don't need the money, and I only do this because I get to witness to the to the kids. I talk to the kids every day about the Lord." Mm. She said, "You can't do that." I said. You should have told me that. <laughs> you should have told me that five years ago. <laughs> Whoops. So, anyways, with that, I I quit. I retired, and actually, I went to Eagle Rock. The first I had my camper at the bus barn, and I drove right straight to Eagle Rock. That was very, my very first maps project. But I was only there a couple of days because it started pouring rain, and it's in a gully, and I wanted to be able to get out there because my actual project that I'd signed up for was Trinity. June 1st of 2014. So I went up there and I had some very good uh, project coordinators. I was as green as grass because, you know, as a prison guard, that doesn't, that's not a skill that you can really use in construction. 
So I did that, and then I said, well, hey, this is this was so much fun, I've got to do it again. So I <laughs> went to Richland, Missouri, and there I worked um, building a SIPS church, which is the first one that I know I've ever heard of. And that took that till a little after Thanksgiving. And the rest of it's just been kind of, I pray, I plan, but the Lord, I believe, really directs me. I always pray that I'll be a good witness, an ambassador, first of all, for the Lord, then the Assemblies of God, then the church, then my family. Then for Pastor Jeremiah, no, just kidding. Pastor Jeremiah, <laughs> Pastor Jeremiah just kidding. Is, 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 is the church, and if they, know, if they see if they see sloppy workmanship and laziness, I don't want them to think that that's in any way a part of Grace Point Assembly. Of God. <laughs> Amen. That's not that's that's not our drill. Well, I think you're. Let's dive into this. I think your story is filled with some misconceptions that we really got attacked. I think it's important for people. Let me just hit the first one. The second one leading back in kind of the beginnings of your story and your testimony. First one being in terms of missions. And and I can get frustrated with this as a pastor because I, I hammered this. I was talking to the ladies in our church uh, the other night. Uh, my wife was sick. And so I had to speak to the ladies at a women's event. I mean, very awkward. No, just kidding. I had a great time. But one of the things I just kind of waved the banner over and over again is that Jesus didn't say give. Jesus said go. And just trying to get people to go and do missions and how we often visualize that as just going to another country, right? As you mentioned that we just always talk about it in a foreign context, but missions is for every believer and should be act, be we should be actively doing missions uh, every day in our lives. And that, and again, that doesn't mean you have to go to Africa, Asia, whatever. It means just going and doing the work of God. The, the, I mean, the, the essence of missions is go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you brought up a tremendous point that America is the second most unevangelized country in the world. And, and there is missions to do in America. So you don't have to go to Jamaica with us. Uh, we're going to go on a Jamaica missions trip in a couple weeks. You don't have to go to Jamaica. You Again, you can go to your neighbor. You can go to Feeding Inc. You can go to the food bank. You could partner with something that your local church is doing, something we're doing as Grace Point. That's missions. So come on, do missions. Yes. Uh, when I got saved, our church had this big sign right at the parking lot as you entered, or as excuse me, as you exited, <laughs> and it said, "You are now entering your mission field." So whether you're at work, you're at Walmart, heaven forbid, or at Hy-Vee or wherever you're at, it is your privilege, but it's also your job. It's what God called you for: to be effective, to be polite to show the love of the Lord and spread the good word. Because if people hadn't have done that for us, we would be lost. Yeah. And so I feel a great passion to go to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the outer parts of the world. But for me, I got to do Jerusalem. So most all of my projects yeah. are in Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Kansas. Yep. Because... That's close. It doesn't cost me a lot of money, and I can stay there longer. And not only do I have to throw drywall up and mud and paint <laughs> and everything like that, when I'm not doing that and I'm in the in the town, maps for me is a great way of saying, well, they'll say, where are you from? And I'll say, well, I'm, they're letting me work at this church or this project, 
And uh, then I begin to share, and they say, well, you get to, what do you mean? I said, well, it's, it's, it's free for them. We are, as MAPS workers, we are the only one that I know of in missions that does not go to the church and ask them to support us. But we get to go to the, that church and support them yeah. in, in labor. Awesome. Wow, so fun. And that's the, if you will just open yourself up to missions, God, God's going to direct you. He's going to give you that passion. I was telling someone that the other day, is that there, for me, and, and you will know this, if you hang out with me any length of time, I am an Africa junkie. Like, you know, I love America. I love pastoring the church, but I want to be in Africa. And, and it's where I think about, it's what I long for. I mean, man, when I get on the plane uh, and I take that 16 and a half hour flight to uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and then I drive another six hours to Lesotho. And when I hit the ground there and I smell the air and I give my Basotho brother a hug, I mean, man, that's life for me right there. And that's okay. That doesn't have to be, that might not be your passion. Your passion might be maps. It might be that local food bank. It might be whatever, but there is a place God has for you. And you are not just existing. You are strategically put in a place by God. And like I said, it might be your workplace, your family, et cetera, et cetera. But just taking on that mindset of missions is something we need to do uh, with with a greater seriousness each and every day when we wake up and live life. Most definitely. That is that, that God didn't save you to come to a church on Sunday morning and sit on carpeting and say amen once in a while and throw five dollars <laughs> in the wallet and in, in the plate. That's that's not what it's about. It's about touching the world and bringing as many souls as you can to the Lord. And I love how I think as we are getting more in our culture, at least what I've seen since I've been a believer in Christ, is that there's a lot more creativity than there used to be. Uh, You know, it used to be kind of like, well, missions. If you're a missionary, you go and do foreign missions. If you're a you know, you, you got to start off as a youth pastor, you know, then you become a senior pastor. You know, we kind of had all these uh, certain things that you did. And I love now that there's just an explosion of creativity in using different tools and callings to preach the gospel. For example, my wife, my wife and I had to go through this process of like, are we called to be missionaries? And she did the no price tag conference and this girl's conference. And God's really used that as a unique niche for her to reach thousands of girls. You know, that that's a, a unique niche. And I think God has that for all of us, a unique niche. I mean, man, I wish I wish I could convince my wife and I to live in an RV, but she's not an RV kind of gal. You know what I'm saying, Mike? But that's your, <laughs> that's your niche. Um, that's what God's put inside of you. For me, you know, it's, it's pastoring a local church. It's, it's doing missions on a part-time. It's doing podcasting. It's, it's using digital resources to extend the gospel. And so I just want you to open your heart up to whatever God might have for you, because it might be unique. It might be something that's not existed yet. Might be a new program, might be doing a missions endeavor. So I love how God is using people in a different ways, one of which he's using you in terms of maps. So let's go back to your the foundation of your story. You grew up in a Christian home? Yes, I did. My mother and dad, we had devotions every single day, five days, six days a week, six o'clock to about seven o'clock. My dad would read a chapter of the Bible. We would have to kneel hit the, on the sofa recliner or whatever and pray, and if you were falling asleep at 6 o'clock, it wouldn't be pretty because he'd wake you up. <laughs> okay. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, it was pretty, it was very uh, regimented, and the presence of the Lord was so real. My mom was a serious prayer warrior. Mm. 
I remember when I was a kid, there was five kids in the church. They were board members' kids, and they weren't serving the Lord. And these women decided, you know what? Satan's not going to take us like that. We're, we're going to go with a vengeance. And they began to pray around the clock that these five boys would give their life to the Lord. And so my brother was a, a hellion. I mean, we, <laughs> we had cops just about every, not every night, just probably three days a week that would sit in our porch and wait for my, for my brother to come home because he would turn his lights off and he would take different routes. And one cop even got hurt really bad because they was chasing him and he flipped his lights off and he turned the corner real quick and the cop didn't know about it and he wound up and he had an accident and ran into the field. So that's kind of, but my mom would pray and in five days, all five of those boys was there. And I remember my younger, my other brother, he was so angry and everything like that. My mom said, leave him alone. He's under conviction. It'll be okay. And that night about two o'clock in the morning, my brother came out and he gave his life to the Lord. Wow! He went to church and he was a pastor. So that and so I quit school at seventeen and joined the army. I told you I thought I needed to have a good testimony or teen challenge, you know. So I thought I had to jump in the lion's den and get eaten up a few times in order to have the testimony that I I needed. And in reality, all that is is a trap. It's a snare. Mm. But now I am using that to be a vengeance for me to push to the, to the very hardest that I can do to be for the Lord 100%. Because when I served the devil, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, does, he has no part-time sinners. They're all full-time, and he's working them. Wow. And so I want to do the same thing for the Lord. I want to work for the Lord, and I want to be 100%. Well, if unless I can be 110. All right. <laughs> so you so during your elementary, junior high, high school, kind of in those years, you were serving the Lord, following. G- when did your kind of when did that struggle or the downfall? When did that happen? Was that when you stepped would, into the military? No, I was 16 years old, and my parents would pray for us kids when they go out. My mom would grab my arms and pray that I would be the man of God I was supposed to be. And I said, Mom, you've just wasted this date because now I might as well just buy her a Happy Meal at McDonald's and not even go out. <laughs> and so at 16, I started making my mind. I was going to join the Army, and I was going to be a, a nuisance and a hardhead to my dad until he until he until they signed the papers to let me go. And so I went in uh, just one month after I was 17. Wow. And then I, just before I got out of the Army, I gave my life to the Lord. And I was I was very uh, demonstrative because it's hard for me not to be in the to be in the middle of the road. I'm either one way or the other. <laughs> and I served the Lord, and then I went through a divorce. And when I went through a divorce, I went crazy. I was mad at God because I had married a preacher's daughter, and it, I just didn't feel like it was fair. And I don't know where I got this idea that life was supposed to be fair. <laughs> because I don't even want I don't even want God to be fair because if he was fair I'd be in hell. So anyways, I for about 10 years there, 12 years, I I did what I wanted to do and I always made counted the cost and if I could take the punishment that I figured I was going to get whether it was drunk driving or another divorce or whatever, I was okay with it and I did it. And then one day when I was so proud of myself because I dressed all of this and I I tanned and I worked out and everything like that, I was every bit of a bag of chips, 
<laughs> the Lord got a hold of my heart, and I seen myself for for the way of the world and what God seen me, and that was the change in my life because no longer did I look like or think I looked like I was all that, but I I seen myself as a broken skeleton mm. with part of a heart, nothing to give to the Lord. And I was actually kind of surprised that the Lord was willing to accept me as shattered and broken as what I was. Wow. I, you know, man, there's so many things. The, the misconception I want to attack for just a moment is that what you talked about is that you thought you had to have this story, uh, this teen, cha- this story of brokenness. And my wife experienced kind of the same thing where she grew up in, you know, in church and she would see these powerful testimonies, someone who was on drugs, someone who was a gang member, someone who was a prostitute, and all these kind of things. And we really elevated those stories in the church, and rightfully so, because it, it's awesome to see that God can turn the lives of anyone around. But that feeling, it seems like there were generations of believers or Christians that had the same feeling that you had. My wife kind of had that. She never really walked away from the Lord, really. She stayed pure, etc. But she kind of had that feeling, why, why was that there? Why, why do you think that was there, that whole mentality? Because I've heard that now from multiple people. I think a lot of it was is we were... Um Back then, we were more um, disciplined in our in our lines of what should be and what shouldn't be. I mean, when I was growing up, my mother wouldn't wear makeup, not even lipstick. I remember her asking the pastor one time, is it okay for me to put Vaseline on my lips because they're dry, but it, it's against my conviction to wear lipstick or lip gloss or anything like that. Now, she never... Uh, told my sister she couldn't do it, but for her, it was it was like that. And when my dad got saved, my dad left his cigarettes on the altar. He never looked back. He went home. He threw mm. all the cards out of the house, the beer, the, the whole nine yards, and he did a complete 180. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were, the world knew what we wasn't supposed to do, and so we just... I think it was straight from the pit of hell, a lie that because as I get older, some people say, well, you got a great testimony, Mike. And I say, (laughs) no, the great testimony is the one that never jumped into the lion's den to get ate up. It's it's overrated to to go through all this grief and regret and pain, bad road. It is so overrated yep amen preach that (laughs) you can say it two three four five times and i i have now i'm a first generation believer first generation christian and now i have christian kids so i get a little scared every once in a while because i'm like oh my goodness i i openly try to talk to them about who i was before christ and some of the things that i did whether things that i consumed or relationships that i had or and i have to keep preaching that sermon to them like girls it's not it's not worth it. I mean, it might, and and I'm honest too, because sometimes I think as a church, we say, uh, don't do these things. They're so bad and they're so evil. And they are, but I try to have a, a bit of truth and reality with people saying like, you know, these things do feel good. Some of these things, they feel good, but it's momentary and it's empty and it's fleeting. And, it, and listen, it might feel good for one night, five, six hours, but trust me, come Monday morning, uh, it's regrettable. 
You know, I look at it like this because I was a prison guard. I seen so many. I remember. Oh this, yeah. I remember this one guy. His name was Leatherwood, and this would be in about 1970. 1978. His number was like a 180 something number, and that means something to anybody that's a prison guard. But anyways, he robbed and killed somebody for a fat daddy uh, leather jacket. Well, when he, they caught him right away. He lost the jacket, and he did his life in prison. That's how I see sin. He got to wear that jacket for a few hours, and he had the consequences and the regret mm. for the rest wow. of his life. And I can tell you other stories are the same way. Sin does have a, a, a very short moment of, yep. of pleasure. That's great. That's a great story. But it has years of regret. I am still suffering from the regret and I've been serving the Lord for almost 25 years now. But, you know, there's still people that I should have talked to about the Lord. And I didn't. And that causes me to be driven to, to do what I do. And I remember when I was at Grace Point under the, pastor, the previous pastor, I would see these missionaries come in. They were so passionate for their Africa, Haiti, Cambodia, Colombia, wherever it was at. And when I went into maps, I said, Lord, you gave them a compassion. And your word says you will give us the desires of our heart. And my, yes, and my, my desire <laughs> is that I will have the same aggressive passion for my field, my mission area that they have. And I, I'm not there yet because I'm, it's not 100%. I think it's about 99. But you know what? <laughs> Jesus left the 99 and went to the one that was lost. So I will not be satisfied until it's all 100%. Great stuff. You're preaching great sermons here to us, Mike. <laughs> hey, so what do we do with um, people that are struggling with passion? Getting people, believers, passionate for the Lord. Do we just punch them in the face or give, give them a headlock or body slam them? Or how do we wake up this, the sleeping giant, which is the church today? You know, if I really thought <laughs> that punching me in the face, <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd, I'd probably start with a cattle prod because I, right. I, I like to, I like a little electricity. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really know. I think that, I think that you know, the older generation and the younger, the younger generation sees a falseness of us old inner, older generation. They see how at one time we were passionate, and then. You know, we're not as interested anymore. And so they say, what the use? I think for the older people, they need to realize that there's no such thing. God is always telling me, I'm almost 70 years old. He's always telling me that all I have to do is give my availability and he will supply me with the skill, the energy, the finances to do what he's called me to do. All that, So all I got to do is... Just be willing to submit to his will, mm. and he does the rest. You know, Amen. That's, yeah. I'm a lazy person. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier than that. <laughs> Talk about, I mean, tell me about that moment that kind of the flip switched for you. I mean, that moment when it changed, you know, where you started serving God full on, where you said, okay. Okay. I, was, you, I mean, you were talking about the story, right. and God humbled you. It, it, 
walk me through that a little bit more. When that really happened, you said, okay, now I'm going full on for Jesus. Okay, I was 42 years old, and I was I was very proud of myself because of the way I dressed. I paid a lot of attention to GQ and other magazines. And when I was broken because of the place that I went, they didn't care. And so I walked my dog probably three hours and just kind of talked to the Lord and let him talk to me. And I said, I'm going to surrender the Lord completely. And when I did that, I'm going to tell you right off the pop, because of my past, I suffered a, a year of hard road because I had people in the church. It was a small town. They knew everybody would uh, chastise me in the parking lot. <laughs> you're, you're faking, you know, you want all this sympathy, yada, yada, yada. But there was one guy in our church that had been in Teen Challenge, and actually he was the one that get, put a needle in his brother, in his uncle that he overdosed on, and he went to Teen Challenge. And I was sitting in the back of the church with my head in, buried between my knees saying, Lord, I don't know if I can cut this or not. This is This is pretty tough. And he said, Mike, in Proverbs it says, the righteous fall seven times, but they get up. Now, get up. And I can remember he didn't grab me by the shoulders or jerk me up, but he put his hand on my shoulder. And from that time on, I said, okay. So I don't have an excuse, but if I do fall, I can get up. And so from that time on, I have tried to go full force, and after about a year, the past that was so hard got easier and easier and easier, and now I think I'm living in the sweet spot of life because I really do try to be in the center of the Lord's will all the time. And he, and you, anybody knows that you can't, I don't know if that you can do that all the time, but the Lord knows the condition of my heart. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he just says, Mike, you need to go over here. Because sometimes that project holds, falls through. I said, well, Lord, I really wanted to go there. <laughs> and But he leads me over the spot, and it's okay. It's good. I have, I come back. You know, I joke every day. I, I try to, I try to um, pace myself so that by Friday it's two Tylenols. It's seven o'clock. I'm whooped. <laughs> by Monday, by Saturday morning, I'm good to go again. Wow. Let's talk about this. I think this is so important in this age of Christianity. When you were growing up, I mean, you touched on it a little bit. It was a lot about holiness and the way you look and hair and and makeup and these kind of things. And now we live in such an era. And I'm talking about not the church. In one sense, I am, but more of our culture, this culture of brokenness where, and, and I'm trying to say this respectfully, you know, you have been divorced multiple times. Uh, you know, we, like <laughs> you know, we have people in our church that maybe they have right now, um, you know, maybe they're not married and they're having children. And, and so there's, you know, lifestyles and maybe substance struggles or, you know, someone who smokes or drinks or something like that. And, how as a church, we're going to have to come alongside them and preach to them and encourage them and lift them up without, without 
like condemning them. You know what I'm saying? How talk me, give me your take on that a little bit of uh, sharing Christ with people that are now walking, you know, cause like I said, if someone came to you and said, well, you know, Mike, you know, you kind of been divorced a few times. You kind of had this uh, rebellious seasons in your life. And uh, I don't think God really wants to use you. So sorry. I mean, that's not Christ. You know, that's not, you know, God can always redeem, always restore. But, you know, I want to hear that from the mouth of someone who's had to walk through some trials and struggles, and now you're being used by God. What do you say to people like that? I, I do tell them, you know, I have been divorced six times. And uh, back when I first got my first divorce, um, back then, if in in the Baptist and most of the Summers of God and so some of the other denominations, you you could be an usher or whatever, but that's it. Well, uh, I realize now that it's it's not about that. You know, I think uh, Sister. Rachel last night uh, hit the nail right on the head, and I'm sorry that you missed that message, you know. But I'll tell. But anyway, she basically said that you know, quit looking past the the outer exterior, you know. I remember a long time ago a story about a guy that had a refrigerator and all the food inside was rotten, so he cleaned the outside really good, and it still stunk. So then he waxed it. It still stunk, and then he painted it, and it still stunk. So we get so caught up with tattoos, and I'll be the first to tell you, for a long time, I don't have any tattoos. I hated tattoos. I still don't like them. But you know what? God has told me many times, it's not about what I like. It's not about what I like. It's about my willingness to go, to do, to be the person he's called me to be. And if a person's all tattooed up, that may be their regret, just like my scars are my my divorces. Their scars are their tattoos. Actually, they can get rid of their tattoos. <laughs> and I can't get rid of my divorces. So, you know, we were so legalistic, and I was... You know, I remember the time when I told the Lord I was really, he was really lucky to have me for a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can still almost see the laugh in his face when he says, where, right. where are you coming from? <laughs> so now uh, I right. just don't think that, I think that we get so sidetracked about the way people look. And, you know, I'm a man, and what attracts me to people is normally their looks at first. Yeah. So get get over it because, well, in maps we always say, get a ladder and get over it. <laughs> get a, that's great. Uh, you know, I this weekend I was in Branson, Missouri. We're southern Missouri here, and we have, if you've never been to Branson before, it's our little uh, Nashville or whatever you will. Uh, but we went and saw the show Samson. And I one of the things I really appreciated about the take that they had was that we, we kind of really have a negative slant on Samson when we initially think about him, Delilah, etc. But God's grace was evident in his story and in his life. And when God could have just cut him off and shut him down multiple times, God had grace and he continued to use him. And even in his epic failure, he still allowed him to have victory even in his last breath, in his last moment. There was, you know, it said uh, at the very end when he tore down the walls and the, the pillars that in that one moment 
He accomplished more in that moment than he had ever done before in conquering victory uh, over the Philistines. And so, you know, I just love God's grace that when we fall, he picks us back up. If we're willing, if we'll repent, if we'll surrender our lives afresh and anew, that there is no barrier that God can't overcome. There's no struggle he hasn't seen before. He understands and he's waiting to redeem us and to use us. So, I, I, you know, I just appreciate that part of your story because I know people need to hear that, that we can still, even this day in 2019, you think we would get over that a little bit, but we're still sometimes this kind of condemning church uh, and not lifting people up and restoring people and putting them right back where God wants them to be. I'm often reminded there's a scripture in the Bible, and I don't know where it's at, but it says, He will make your going out better than your coming in, and He will redeem what the canker worm ate. And that's that's my my prayer for me. But you know, once again, it boils right back down to availability. If that's going to happen, I'm going to have to be willing and available to be go and do and be what He's called me to be. Powerful. So you're, <laughs> you've gone through a lot in life, and now you're serving the Lord. You're trying to give him 100, 110%. What do you feel? I mean, you've shared a lot of them already in this podcast, but what do you feel like your anthem is right now? What do you feel like you find yourself preaching over and over again and saying over and over again and the, the calling of God in your life right now? I think it boils down to, once again, it's not your skill. It's not anything but your availability to be passionate about serving the Lord. You know, I often, I, because, like I said, I was a prison a prison guard, and I seen this one guy who was supposed to be doing life, and he finally got his last thing, and it was turned over, and how excited he was about getting free again. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a sinner, you're enslaved. It's a worse prison than the prisons that I've been in. And I've been in level five, four, three, two, and one. It's worse there. It's better, excuse me, it's better there than it is serving the devil, you know? He, so when you get really free, when you realize that you're really free, you are not going to be nonchalant or ex- happy about it, you're going to be ecstatic. And so I think the Lord gives us emotion. And I've seen a lot of people said they didn't have any emotion. And because of the kind of person I am, I'll try to tick them off. And then when they get emotional about being ticked off, I said, hey, you said you had no emotion. (laughs) So consequently, you know, you've got negative emotion, you've got positive emotion. And I think we should be excited about the fact that not only are we living a good life now, for me, I'm living the dream. They keep telling me that as maps, it's not a camping club, but I'm in a camper. I must be camping. <laughs> Do I have a T-shirt that says, I'm not here for the free camping. I'm here for the work. Yes, I am. But when a push comes to shove, it boils down to my availability, my passion. Without passion and zeal, I don't know that you can I don't know how you can be a Christian because he's done so much for us. He's given us a good life here. We don't have to walk through our sorrows sorrows alone. People die and for a Christian it's a dot. It's not a 
excuse me, it's a comma, it's not a dot. We are going to see them in the end. The world does not offer anything worth spending another day, another minute in. Amen. Well, hey, you have shared some great stuff. Thanks for sharing your story, Mike. That's been powerful. And you, there's just some nuggets all along the way in this last 40 minutes or so that we've been together that I hope encourages you and inspires you to live radically for Jesus, to live out the mission of God in your life. So this has been a Real Life Stories edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Would you keep joining us on the journey? Like, share, subscribe, and I hope this story encouraged you. And we will talk to you next time.